Right, can we keep moving down now, please? Pile is ready. Give me two. Very hot. What are you waiting for, sir? We're in Borough Market on the south bank of the Thames, a few minutes' walk from London Bridge. Welcome to Around These Islands in 12 Ports, brought to you by Chrome Radio in association with Yacht Nova and These Islands. I'm Katrina Oliphant. Borough Market is one of London's oldest food markets. The stalls are piled high with fresh fish, huge rounds of cheese and loaves of bread in all shapes and sizes. There are colourful displays of fruit and vegetables. The smell of cooking wafts through the air as the trains rumble overhead. The market is bustling with tourists from all around the world and busy office workers who have nipped out for a quick bite of lunch. Just around the corner from Borough Market, are the offices of the British Ports Association and the UK Major Ports Group. We're going to meet their chief executives to find out about the role ports play in our everyday lives, how they contribute to our national economy and what the future holds for the port sector. I'm Richard Ballantyne, the Chief Executive of the British Ports Association. We're a strong network of predominantly regionally based groups and ports, which have a wide range of business interests, varying from cargo and freight through to offshore energy, servicing and providing important hubs for fishing and leisure communities around the British coast. I'm Tim Morris. I'm the Chief Executive of the UK Major Ports Group. We're a trade association for the large freight handling ports in the UK. We have nine members operating 40 ports all around the UK who handle about 75% of the UK's port volumes. 95% of what the UK trades comes and goes by sea. What that in practice means is half the food that we eat, eight out of ten cars that we drive, pretty much every screen that you look at will have arrived in the UK on a boat. Our ports and our maritime supply chains are absolutely fundamental for making sure that some of our strategic industries in the UK work effectively in a global context. Our automotive sector, we import components and systems that go into cars manufactured in the UK that are then exported all around the world. The UK car sector estimates that it trades around £100 billion worth of value of goods and services. And the vast majority of that £100 billion passes across our ports, either coming into the country or being exported. There's an interesting figure from Nissan, which is that they produce 1% of all UK exports. And all of that is shipped out through our ports, predominantly in the northeast of England. Also, ports provide a vital role for the shipping industry. Falmouth is a good example. They provide a lot of fuel and bunkering for ships, but also a safe haven where ships can anchor. We're an import-driven economy. Materials for roads, construction site aggregates, it's all coming in predominantly through our ports. The UK imports about half its food and feed needs. At the same time, our ports and the maritime sector are an absolutely vital part of the supply chain, getting some of our premium food and related exports out into the world. For example, Scotch whisky is a massive global success story for the UK. All goes out through our ports. We export quite a lot of quarried stone. We're still exporting certain types of coal. We're exporting certain elements of steel and metals, a bit of paper and pulp. 
uh, one or two finished products as well, furniture. One of the other industries that's incredibly important for ports is the area of energy, both in terms of conventional sources of energy, such as oil and gas, which are imported into the UK, but also in terms of different types of renewable energy. The port of Milford Haven is a real energy hub. It still has a very active oil refinery down there at Valero, and it's also invested recently in new LNG gas facilities and has a state-of-the-art terminal. The UK's ports act as hubs for the revolution that's going on around our coast in offshore wind. Lower Stoft, Great Yarmouth, moving further north and into Scotland, ports like Aberdeen, Dundee, Blythe, Tees. These are all really important parts of the renewable energy revolution. Ports also act as imports, points for new forms of energy, such as biomass. They also contribute to a more sustainable future through the UK through their own operations. Moving goods by sea is, in terms of emissions per tonne of good moved, far lower than many other sources, such as moving it by road or particularly moving things by air. For example, the Port of Bristol acts as one of the primary construction hubs and logistics hubs for the nuclear power development at Hinkley Sea, allowing the fabrication of large concrete sections of Hinkley Sea off-site, then being barged down to the site itself, taking a lot of very difficult, very complex, very irritating for local residents, truck movements off the road. And it's not just about acting as a base for the operations of these ports. We see examples around the UK of the ports themselves acting as centres for manufacturing and construction around these high growth sectors. A very strong example of that would be the Siemens plant in Hull, where the Green Port Hull initiative acts as a real centre of gravity, not just for the servicing of offshore wind, but also in terms of the manufacture, the components, the systems of the turbines themselves. A great example of what's called in the jargon port-centric manufacturing, where the port itself can act as a catalyst for a broader range of activities that creates value for the port, but most importantly, creates a lot more jobs. The Port of Belfast is a great example of this. It has acted as a fantastic catalyst for the redevelopment of the port estates. It's home to film studios. The UK port sector has been a real success story. It's built on a strong base of UK investment, not just from the ports themselves, but also 5.2 million UK pension savers invest through their pension funds in UK ports. On top of that, we've also been very successful in attracting foreign direct investment from North America, from the Middle East, from Asia and from Australasia as well. And this is money that's come from infrastructure funds or pension funds that is committed here in the UK for the long term. So what those investors try to do is look through disruption or cycles in the economy for the long-term success of the UK's ports. The UK and its territorial waters represent about 50% of the renewable energy opportunities in the EU at the moment. A lot of that is in Scottish waters where we've had conventional oil and gas installations. Ports are looking at opportunities there to play a role, as Tim mentioned, in the assembly, the construction and the long-term servicing of wind turbines. And they could be fixed installations to the seabed or in the next five years or so floating installations are likely to come on side. 
The UK government has recently updated its targets through the offshore wind sector deal for 50% of energy provision to be produced by wind energy. So ports are going to play a vital role in facilitating that aspiration. The biggest UK port development at the moment on site is Aberdeen, where they're building a second harbour, which will create Scotland's largest port, largely to service the decommissioning markets and the growing offshore renewables markets, but also other newer industries like cruise, which is a big growth area for the British Isles. That is a £350 million investment project, which should go live in the next two years. It represents about 7,000 new jobs in the short term, and it cements Aberdeen's place as one of the main energy hubs in Europe. Traditionally, a lot of the port activity around the UK and in the southeast of England has been around freight and logistics, importing a lot of our finished goods, containers, roll-on, roll-off traffic through our row-row ports. Whereas in the north and the east coast, you've got a lot of energy provision. But there is investment in many of the southern ports. We've seen big expansions down at Southampton, a big scheme at Dover now, Tilbury on the Thames, London Gateway more recently, have all put huge sums of money into new port facilities to modernise, to compete, to provide those vital gateways we need for our trade. One of the great opportunities we see in the port sector and in the maritime sector actually more generally is the sector's ability to stimulate investment, generate more employment in coastal communities all around the UK. There's been some quite shocking research into levels of deprivation in coastal communities compared to urban and metropolitan areas. And that's not a north-south divide. So what we have is an opportunity to work in coastal communities all around the UK, driving investment, regardless of whether that's in the north or in the south, to replace jobs that may have fallen away as industries such as fishing or domestic tourism may have stalled. Cruise, particularly, is a big growth area for UK ports. China is the only market that's growing faster. The traditional cruises around the Mediterranean and the Caribbean are still very successful, but people are looking at new areas to go, like the uh, west coast of Scotland or the Northern Isles. What is important for cruise companies is to have a network of ports. Typically, cruise calls will last for a day. They'll come in, they'll get onto coaches, look around towns that go on excursions. When you're in places like Scotland, you can go to Loch Ness and the Castle of May and other sites which the ports work together to market to the cruise companies. Away from cruise, we have a long history of recreational leisure and yachting industries. So people enjoying either domestic trips or even international voyages on yachts and powerboats and mini cruise ships which predominantly cluster around our south coast. But we are seeing new marinas popping up all over Britain. And as long as the weather holds, it's a very vibrant area of tourism, which can often bring in overnighters to areas that are relatively cut off from traditional tourist hubs. It's something the ports are keen to facilitate, and particularly our regional ports, who traditionally are focused on things like fishing. Although the freight numbers wouldn't tell you this, Places like Oban and the Orkney Isles are actually one of our busiest areas for passenger numbers. Orkney has millions of passengers using lifeline ferry services coming in on cruise ships. Oban provides several lifeline ferry services out to the Western Isles. It's also been part of the Cruise Scotland network, a gateway to the west coast of Scotland. 
cruise has become very important, not just for ports in particularly scenic locations, but come into the mainstream of port activity more generally. For example, Southampton has numbers to suggest that it's the UK's biggest export port, but at the same time it is the UK's busiest cruise port, and indeed one of the busiest cruise ports in Europe. The southern ports industry, in terms of cruise, is very good at facilitating turnaround passenger numbers. So these are people coming in to the country or beginning their cruises at big hubs like Southampton, Dover, Tilbury, Harwich. They start and end their journeys there. So they use local accommodation, car parking, transport links. As well as those ports, they're good for the region because they provide another kind of tourist hub. As the UK economy, indeed UK society has changed, ports have changed and adapted. Until relatively recently, coal power stations was a big cargo for a lot of ports. No longer now, as we move to a low carbon energy mix. As we look forward, and ports have to look forward, they are a long-term, long-horizon business. Technology is again changing what ports do. Ports have historically been gateways for goods, but now they are increasingly gateways for data as well making sure that not just businesses but also end consumers have visibility about where their products and goods are and that supply chains all across the world can work much more efficiently. It's good for the environment as well because it means there is less waste and there are less emissions. Traditionally there might have been a customs official or a border representative to come and open up a container or look at consignment. But now we have these very modern port community IT systems, which are plugged into government agencies like the Maritime Coast Guard Agency and HM Revenue and Customs, shipping information where the vessel's been, where it's going to, what it's carrying, any hazardous cargo, any waste, or indeed any customs information that needs to be cleared with the UK authorities is fed through electronically. The port and the shipping operator is then notified electronically if the goods are cleared and if the ship is able to continue on its journey. The port sector, like others, is looking at digitalisation. You can automate areas, perhaps on the quay side, to ensure that people are kept away from the more dangerous parts of port operations. Digitalisation broadens out the appeal of the sector to a wider group of individuals, women, younger people. The traditional workforce has predominantly been men. There will be discussions with unions about how roles are going to change. And that means that training at ports needs to change. The sector is very alive to that. We're working with our colleagues in the shipping sector looking at what they're doing. Greater automation is a challenge and opportunity for the economy as a whole, for us as a society as a whole. And that's equally true for the port sector. The people working at the port, it takes out of their scope the more mundane tasks, the potentially less safe tasks, allows them to concentrate on the higher value-added tasks where the human intervention is much more valuable. That does present challenges in terms of the historic profile of skills and the workforce but that's a challenge that the sector and indeed the employees of the port sector themselves are up for. It means new things in terms of training requirements, not just in terms of the individual skills or the specific skills that are required, but the ability to upskill, change skills throughout people's careers. As the sector, we're all linked through an umbrella group called Maritime UK. For the last few years, the Department for Transport has been positioning its strategic aims to Maritime UK, and we fed in our views. 
the culmination of that was the creation of the Maritime 2050 strategy. Maritime 2050 is very welcome because it sets out an ambitious agenda for the maritime sector here in the UK. The port sector was pleased to be part of a lot of the discussions that went into forming it. There are some really important ambitious recommendations for not just improving the maritime sector, but growing investment, jobs and prosperity in our coastal communities. The industry and government is now going to work in partnership to deliver some of these recommendations. For our sector, there's a lot on things like ships, fuels and environmental issues, but also port connectivity. Government has recently conducted a study of connectivity needs, road and rail connectivity for English ports. The connectivity point, how ports are connected to the rest of the economy, is absolutely crucial. There's more than £7 billion worth of value that the port sector adds to the UK. In many respects, is dependent on how well those ports are connected to the main centres of economic activity and population within the UK. More efficient connectivity between those centres and the ports will make the UK more able to punch above its weight on the global trade stage. As the UK is the home to the International Maritime Organisation and has a long maritime history, particularly on the maritime services industry in London, we do have a prominent role internationally. In terms of the UK Ports Trade Associations, we are plugged into things like the European Seaports Organisation. The UK industry is largely private sector in nature. It's not subsidised or managed by national or regional governments. It's doing its own thing independently of government, reliant on a policy and regulatory regime that government sets. That is subtly different to most ports in Europe, which have an element of state ownership or interest, at least port authority level. There may be privately operated terminals across Europe. We live in an increasingly interconnected world. The internet is a marvellous thing, but what underpins that is a level of physical interconnectivity around the world. One example, the vessels that come from Asia, that bring many of the manufactured or consumer goods that we enjoy here in the UK, don't just call it the UK. We are part of a bus route, if you will. Those very, very large container ships, they'll stop in the Netherlands, they'll stop in Germany, they'll stop in France on the way. This is all part of an interconnected global supply chain that Maritime and the UK's ports provide. How we all, ports, shipping companies, hauliers, transport companies, all work together to deliver a more sustainable supply chain is one of the big challenges of the moment and one that ports are committed to playing their role in solving. How do we get to a dramatically lower emissions, lower impact maritime sector? That's something where there's a great deal of work going on here in the UK through initiatives such as the Clean Maritime Council established by the Department for Transport, but also internationally through the International Maritime Organization, through groupings of ports and shipping companies working together to ensure that the ships are as sustainable as they can be. The ports have the means to provide alternative fuels for those ships, also that the energy infrastructure surrounding those ports, such as electricity networks, is in place.
Maritime is one of the ultimate global industries. The ships literally just move around the world. So therefore, yes, here in the UK, we need to make the changes that we can make, but it must sit within that global context. The thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is the exciting future of the sector. Ports have been the UK's major global gateways for thousands of years. They are ambitious and confident in their ability, not just to keep playing that role, but to expand it and grow the value that they can offer to the UK and coastal communities all around the UK. Just a final thought from me to members of the public and policymakers and politicians, don't forget our sector. It's vitally important to the national economy. It facilitates 95% of our trade through our international gateways. Also provides services for a range of other coastal activities in areas that have traditionally suffered from a lot of deprivation. So please don't forget the sector. Come and learn about it and get involved. That was Richard Ballantyne from the British Ports Association and Tim Morris from the UK Major Ports Group. If you'd like to know more about the work of our ports, do look at the web links in the information about this podcast. I hope you'll join me next time when we visit Trinity House, which looks after the safety of mariners all round our coasts. You've been listening to Around These Islands in 12 Ports, Brought to you by Chrome Radio in association with Yacht Nova and these islands. Well, I could do a larger, larger is ten pounds. Yeah, you get more prawns. Oh yeah, you get, you get, you get all that. Yeah, I can't get much more on there.